All right, welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. We are in the bowels of the Vogue Theater in a little bit of an equi dressing room. I've got Wes from the Lumineers with me. Hi, Wes. Hello. How's your day? It's going well. We just got into Vancouver earlier, and it's raining. And so uh, what are your feelings on the rain? Well, we were in Portland earlier, so it's a theme. Hi, this is Wesley of the Lumineers, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. This is Wesley of the Lumineers, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Ho Hey by the Lumineers. I've got Wes from the band here with me. I'd love it if you could say a few words about that track. Yes, Ho Hey was uh, written a couple years ago and then worked on since, and I think it's kind of a funny song in the sense that we really didn't expect it to be any good on a record. We just knew it worked well live. And would get under people's skin as we would play it. Uh, I think, frankly, people were either annoyed or captivated by people just shouting at them. So um, I'm shocked that anybody really likes it on a record because it, it has a lot of hoes and haze being shouted. <laughs> it seems like it's a potential candidate for a YouTube cover to go viral. Would you rather have a baby sing the song or a group play it with one instrument altogether? I'd rather... A baby. I've never seen a baby sing a song, so that'd be great. 
Wes, you and Jeremiah started out as a cover band called Free Beer. So I was hoping that you could talk about what your worst cover was. Well, it wasn't only a cover band. I want to set the record straight. But uh, the worst cover was probably... I don't know. Let's see. I just loved a lot of the covers that we played. <laughs> so, um, I think I think we would play uh, we'd play Gnarls Bar. Or we, no, you know what we played was Oasis, Wonderwall, in a reggae fashion, like Ryan Adams' arrangement. If that makes any sense. And that was your most unfavorite cover. Yeah, it was the most uncreative cover. Yeah, it was a beautiful song, but it was. White people doing reggae, so that's always tough. Yeah, it wasn't. It was regrettable. So you guys were given the name the Lumineers, and I was hoping you could tell that story for me. Yeah, I'll do the best I can. Uh, we were playing at a place called Lucky Sevens in Jersey City, and um, the MC of the night uh, started making the announcements for between sets. The the next band up is this band. The next band up is this band, which never really happens. So it's kind of strange that there was an MC at all, and he ended up calling us mistakenly the Lumineers. And there was a band called Lumineers that was coming up the week, the following week, and uh, he he got his calendar mixed up. And so we added the to Lumineers and, uh, and went forward, hoping with our fingers crossed that nothing would happen. And, um, and then things did happen with the band, and uh, uh, luckily they didn't really seem too mad about it, so we kept the, kept the name. So what happened to the original Lumineers? I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. I just remember it was, it was, the, it was the time of uh, MySpace. So the way you could sort of you could follow up with, with bands as far as whether how active they were and uh, you know how, how basically seriously they were taking it, how many shows they had, where they were playing and stuff, and the number of fans. And I think they had like 30 or 40 fans at the time, and they didn't really have any tour dates up. So we figured we were probably pretty safe with using the name. Hi, this is Wesley of the Lumineers, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood.
Hi, this is Wesley of the Lumineers, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Stubborn Love by the Lumineers. I've got Wes from the band here with me. I'd love it if you could talk a bit about this track. Uh, yeah, Stubborn Love. Um, one of my favorite moments with that song was um, my friend teaches up in Harlem in, uh, in New York City, and he was... Uh, he was uh, oh I'm sorry he teaches in the Bronx uh, the Bronx Success Academy um, his friend his name is Andy Vadockler and uh, he 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 allowed me to come in and observe him teaching um, and it was this really powerful thing to watch him uh, in his element you know and at the end of the day he he said would you mind playing a couple songs for his class and then I said yeah and then he said would you mind playing for a couple of classes I said yeah and he said would you mind playing for <laughs> I don't know what it was it was like half the school felt like you know we went outside and we sang ho hey and stubborn love together and all these kids just shouting the chorus uh, all together um, was one of the most powerful moments i've had with a song that we've written uh, gave me goosebumps and it still does the idea of it um so yeah so you guys started in new york and then you left for denver new york city has so much cachet in the music industry i was hoping you'd tell the story of that What's that? The story of why you decided to move and... Yeah, um, I was living in Brooklyn and Jara and myself were commuting into the city to a rehearsal space. Um, I was working three jobs. Jara was finishing up school and it was just kind of becoming more and more the feeling of being spread thin. And uh, I was barely having enough time to work on music or and there was absolutely no possibility of touring because I had to work all those jobs just to make the rent, just to make the ends meet. I wasn't really doing anything particularly fun. And I found it to just be largely a, a myth that you move to Brooklyn or you move to New York and that's the place to be. It was actually um, un, very untrue for, for what, from what I experienced. Uh, and so I think I was just, instead, I was trying to pragmatically think about it and say, well, the best way for me to succeed if I ever can at this is to do it a lot, practice a lot, uh, write a lot, and tour. And I can't do it here, so where can I do it? And the answer was just somewhere cheaper. And then Denver represented that. And I had a couple friends moving out to Denver, and they said, we have a place. And it was about half the rent I was paying in Brooklyn, so I, I took them up on it. We packed our things and, and uh, rented a U-Haul trailer and drove out there. And kind of on a whim, and we found this just amazing community in Denver um, that ended up, you know, it was like the best thing that could have happened. And usually when you don't plan things, that's when beautiful things happen. So that's what happened to us. I really believe strongly that musicians need to need to start recognizing that moving into expensive cities is not a good move. <laughs> um, so I would encourage them to do, do whatever they can to get somewhere where they can spend a lot of time doing what they love or doing something they believe in. But Denver, for us, offered this collective, this community of musicians that was so free with uh, their information, basically. they If you were going on a tour on the West Coast, they would make calls for you and find places for you to stay so you didn't have to pay money for a hotel. And they would uh, basically help out each other a tremendous amount. That community is very, very strong there. Um, and I think it's unique to only certain, certain places. Um, New York was more of, I think, elbow each other out of the way, dog-eat-dog kind of world, um, where you'd finish your set, and the next band with all their friends would pay 10 bucks and come in, and you'd all file out. So that's one thing. Um, and I think the other thing is just uh, it's sunny every day in Denver, pretty much. It has more sun 
per more days of sun per year than any other city in the United States. Uh, little known fact, I think about 300 days of sun. So it's a for me, it's a really inspiring place because of that. Awesome! I had no idea about so much sunshine in Denver. <laughs> Neither did I. I learned a lot when I moved there. Cool. You guys write such simple songs, but there's definitely an art in writing such simple, direct songs. So I was hoping you could give one tip on how to do that. Yeah, um, I think I think the one what one tip I'd say is that we always believed that if you could write a song and it quote unquote worked, if it was just you and a piano or just you and a guitar, so singing vocals with one or the other, uh, if that held its own and it worked in an open mic fashion or just on a recording, um, you have something then that you can build on. And I think the biggest problem is when people just um, start so big and none of it's working, you have to start somewhere really strong, I think, with the idea and then build off of that. So that's what we do. We try to do that. Hi, this is Wesley of the Lumineers, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. I stood alone upon the platform in vain The Puerto Ricans, they were playing this sauce in the rain With open doors and manual locks And fast food parking lots I headed west, I was a man on the moon New York had lied to me, I needed the truth Oh, I need somebody, I needed someone I could trust I don't care, but if you did, I would bet on Like the Dead Sea, you told me I Like 
Wesley of the Lumineers, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Dead Sea by the Lumineers. I've got Wes here with me. I'd love it if you could talk a bit about that track. Yeah, sure. Um, the Dead Sea was um, it was a phrase that um, was, was said to me, and I thought it was plagiarized because I thought it was so brilliant. Um, it sounds like an insult, but it's one of the nicest things I think you can say to somebody. And uh, I love that. I love, I love things when things like that happen. Um, and it's it kind of just tells the story of this this couple and how they met and where they're coming from. You've got a knack for writing songs that draw from your real life experiences, but are still a little bit oblique. Thanks. <laughs> how does one develop that skill? Well, I think that I think that like anything else, I'm still learning and. I like writing. I've always liked writing. So I think what I learned was um, I really like to, I like the movies where characters in those movies had three-dimensional qualities to them. There was a villain, but he was somehow really compassionate in certain situations. Or I always hated when something felt like it was a caricature, like the good guy was totally good or the bad guy was just totally evil. It wasn't really believable because we're all really, all of us are so full of these contradictions. And um, so... Um, I began to try to visualize that with, with any characters that we were including in songs and things like that, drawing from own experiences, but also realizing that nothing is worse than a predictable character like that. Cool. So, Wes, I was reading where you were talking about the weirdest place that you've written a song was walking your dog in the woods, and so that conjures the beautiful image of you serenading your dog while they're going to the washroom. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, I think that... it. I don't really write songs in front of anybody, but I guess I, I was comfortable writing it in front of the uh, dog, my, my dog Tucker. And then later, another dog named Gabe, uh, we'd take these walks in the woods. And uh, I know he loved taking these walks, and so I started doing that, and um, uh, I guess I just felt really anonymous, really unheard and private back there. I think uh, the other thing about that it's really great that you don't get when you're sitting down is... Um, your mind works a little differently when you're walking, when your body's moving. Um, so it's the same if you ever have an argument with someone. You should go take a walk usually because it just it tends to work out a lot better. And so it's a different way to work out some ideas. And I um, and, uh, wrote a song called Gun Song. It's one of my favorites. Uh, didn't make this record, but um, I wrote it in on, on one particular walk. Uh, and it was just the strangest thing. You guys took a long time to get to what we see now as the Lumineer sound. It was three years writing this record, so I was hoping you could talk a little bit about going from indie rock to folk rock. I think we were just trying everything and anything and willing to 
tested out uh, and we recorded about f- over 50 songs um, through like the four years leading up to this record. And then we wrote Flowers in Your Hair and that kind of set us off on a certain path where it just became really simple and not so much about trying to be really technical, um, but it was more about uh, capturing a moment. Uh, and we, we had heard some records along the way that really opened up our eyes to how great that can be and how it can make you feel. We saw the this band, this really great band called the Felice Brothers in Kingston, New York, and they just blew us away. And then we heard Exile on Main Street, heard Ryan Adams' Heartbreaker, and all those records uh, and those bands, um, they keep all the mistakes and they their goal, I think, is to capture these moments as opposed to capture something that sounds perfect. And um, so that had a big influence on in what we did and how we started to write songs that were simple but direct. And, um, you know, Jerry likes to say that anybody who plays an instrument can play a Lumineer song, and I, I agree with him. All right, Wes, thank you very much for your time today. At the end of the show, I'd like to get the guest to pick one track off their current record and talk a bit about it as I bring up the music. Sure, uh, I'll talk about... Uh submarines we wrote submarines it, it was the it went flowers in your hair submarines and then classy girls those were the first three songs we wrote under the name lumineers and um i think it's one of them it's one of the songs we feel most proud of it's uh it kind of evolved and it it's kind of an arduous process but the end result is that i think so much happens in two minutes and 46 seconds or whatever it is um, it feels like it's a five-minute song. Um, and um, I think that that taught us a lot about songwriting and having that faith to keep chasing it, uh, keep chasing an idea until you see it through because great things can happen. Um, and so this is Jeremiah's, I know this is his favorite song on the record. Uh, so here it is, Submarines. All right, so we're going to listen to Submarines by the Lumineers. Wes, thank you very much for your time. Sure, thanks for having me. Hi, this is Wesley of the Lumineers, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. I believe submarines Underneath deep blue sea Saw the flags Japanese No one will believe me Ran back to the town bar and I told Submarine and everyone laughed aloud. I did spy a periscope, dead of night on the eastern coast. The police made them joke.
ships will rise.